Hey guys, how are you? So welcome to your next stop with Juliette Hahn. I am super excited about this. So you guys, every week it's been like, oh, another clubhouse friend, another clubhouse friend. This is not another clubhouse friend, but this is a LinkedIn friend. And right, that's where we met Michelle, right? I love it. I love the LinkedIn. Yes. Well, and I just, because of your next stop and the pivot in my business, it just made sense to getting to LinkedIn. So I have to introduce Michelle Trina, who is a comedian and so much more. So I can't wait. And I was actually supposed to go to her show this week weekend and it got side railed. And so I sent friends instead, but it would have been really, it was like our, our energies and our paths are literally just like super, we're just, we're going to be friends forever. Yes. Basically. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Julia. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to hear your story. Welcome to Your Next Stop. This is Juliet Hahn. I am a wife, mom, virtual coach, public speaker, and crazy obsessed dog lover. I am so honored to be able to take you into the life of someone that has followed a passion. Every week, I hope you are as inspired as I am. Welcome to Your Next Stop. Okay. So Michelle, I want you just to give us a little bit of your background. I know you, you know, you were a, you're a teacher or you were a teacher. Just give us a history of your life. Okay. You could give us like, you know, you could take us through how you found your passion okay. um, and you know what you're doing now, but just give us a little bit of a history about you. So I have been performing since the second grade. I started dancing that young and I've always, you know, wanted to be an actor, a full-time performer. I wanted to make a living doing it since uh, I was in high school. Um, I was in the music man. So that sparked my interest. Um, you know, bike, biker it. number three around the corral. And I went into study theater in college and I, I went into pursuing it full-time on the hustle of auditioning every day in New York city. And I met my ex-husband and I kind of shifted gears because, you know, when I, I was traveling a lot, I was booking work outside of New York as on tour in regional theaters, which was great. But when then you fall in love in your early 20s, you think nothing is going to stop you. So you shift. <laughs> and like I have this joke where I, sh you know, people say I'll never change for my boyfriend. And I completely changed. <laughs> I like right, covered right. up. I switched careers. I decided that I wanted to stay in, in the same area as my boyfriend, now my ex-husband. And I decided to get a degree in educational theater from NYU that would allow me to use my craft to help children learn, grow. And I, I fell in love with teaching. I love actually helping kids grow through the arts. And throughout my graduate studies, somehow I I found teaching children with special needs theater. I liked, really liked focusing on that. And then when I got my first, I got my first teaching job, graduated from grad school and got married within three months. Wow. And moved. It was a lot. And I, I started working the first, this was my late twenties. So I shifted into teaching. I was working in, in I was working in Trenton, New Jersey. It was a, a really rough school in the yeah. sense of like, there was a lot, a lack of support from the city, from the administrators that were trying to keep it afloat. But there was a beauty with what the kids were dealing with and how they used the arts to help them. And they had no exposure to it. So, you know, I kept finding these areas where, although I wasn't performing full time, teaching was also in my love for performing. I always found opportunities for my kids to perform or to perform with them and create these like 
programs or, you know, initiatives where, where people are shining through the arts, right. And it's helping them grow. So I think that when I got divorced, I realized, um, and even a little bit before I got divorced, I had started my own theater company called prop box players for children with special needs. Again, to just kind of focus on how I can still perform and I can help people and make a living from it and not be all over the place in the country at the time. And then I decided that when I got to, you know, divorced, I needed to figure it out because how could I have my own business and be paying for my divorce and figure out how to keep my home. So I took another teaching job and stayed teaching in the school district in North Jersey, um, for six years. And I was developing divorce diaries during those years. And I, I created divorce diaries because I had always done one woman shows in the past. Even when I was teaching full time, I did a, a, a one woman show in New York city. I, uh, called how to be a successful teacher. It was in United solo festival. I did it in college. So I decided, Hey, I'm getting divorced. I moved back home with my parents. I'm with my grandmother too. I'm with my handicapped dog. I can't even date correctly. This is so weird. <laughs> I don't think I still date correctly. And I've moved out of my parents' home, but I, I just kept thinking <laughs> divorce diaries, divorce diaries, like a reality show of someone just following my life. Cause I was obsessed with Bravo and I loved watching Bravo at night and my iPhone, I didn't even have a television. I would watch it on my iPhone and like, I would buy the episodes just to make myself feel good at night. <laughs> and I kept thinking like, what if someone just like taped my life as this comedy of like my 92 year old grandmother who wears diapers just cause she doesn't want to really go to the bathroom. Not because she can't hold it. My, my dog hobbling around my, my parents screaming at me and like, a loving way. And then my daughter who was struggling with developmental issues, like she wasn't talking. She was, we weren't sure what was going on. If she was on the spectrum or if she wasn't, we were getting tests. And by we, I mean me, right. My ex-husband wouldn't talk to me. Right. Okay. So I have to, I'm going to take you back. So I love this. Okay. Um, love this meaning. I love how, what you said is about how you pivoted. So you fell in love but you, the thing that you stayed within who you were. So like you stayed with the acting, like even though you went to be teaching, cause you're like, okay, let me be more stable. I'm going to do something. So you, and then you found, you figured out a way to love that as well. So you know how there's a saying where the universe can't keep you from what you're meant to do. Yes. I'm going to get emotional. I know <laughs> I <laughs> have in my entire life. I look back at things, even when I was student teaching in, in a school in New York, I remember, never forget the student, my cooperating teacher who's helping me. She goes, I don't even know if you're going to go into teaching because you're really talented. And I was like, what is she talking about? I've been doing, I was been teaching westward expansion through theater this entire time. And how does she even know my ability? And like, I thought it was a compliment, but I'll never forget that. Cause I think back to now where I'm performing again full time. And I think, see, the universe was always trying to point to you that like, you shouldn't be stopping this. Right. And you know, and that's, and that's time and time again, when I interview women, the thing that they always go back to is either they had a gut feeling or something kept pushing them. Right. And so what I always say is just pause your body. My kids hate when I say this, but pause your body and listen for a second. Feel like, listen, and I am the worst. I mean, I, pausing my body is very difficult for me. I mean, my husband, I, I just actually went downstairs and my husband goes, okay, this energy, he's like, whoa. And I was like, oh, I'm going to record. He's like, okay, bye-bye. I'll see. I'll see you later. I I love you. Good luck. (laughs) But he could feel my energy. I mean, it is hard for me to pause my body, 
But it is really important to pause your body and sometimes just to listen. Like even if it's like when you're ready to go to sleep or when you're waking up, just listen to what the universe or God, whoever, whatever you believe in, because there's always a message and you're always getting spoken to, but sometimes you just have to stop. And so I loved that you said that, like you still didn't go away from what you were doing, but you did kind of mold yourself for your ex-husband, which, you know, I mean, people do things all the time, right? They do things all the time. So when you went through the divorce and you moved back with your your family, what was your mindset? Were you like, are you, I, I feel like you're a positive person, but I'm sure you had to be like, oh my God, this sucks. Like what the hell has happened? Like, so give us a little, can you give us a little bit of that? I wanted the divorce. So I was very happy that I was getting out. And I'm not trying to say that to put my ex-husband down or put down like the fact that we were in love at some point, but I was so unhappy for so long that no matter the fact that I was facing possible, I was facing almost maybe having to file for bankruptcy and was doing a short sale on my home, facing all the, my daughter having developmental issues. Right. And, and also like, how am I going to pick myself up? I still knew I was going to be okay because I was getting out of the marriage. Okay. So which, which you're a strong person. I mean, right. that's, you have a strong sense of who you are. Right. Yeah. Like, cause I knew it wouldn't have been better to stay all of those things. Even like, I didn't have to thank God. I did not have to file bankruptcy. I did not have to, I did my, my house sold, but like all of those things, I still felt like this was the right decision because I was so internally unhappy for so long. Right. And my ex-husband was unhappy too. So he was upset because I wanted the divorce, but at the same time, how could you stay in that miserable place where we tried for a while and I, I didn't want to drag my daughter into it further, you know? Right. So. Cause how many years were you guys married? So we were technically married for five and a half years by the time we were officially divorced, but okay. we were separated really, really like a year and a half. We lived together for a part of that separation, which was very rough to live with a person that you don't want to be married to and they know it and they're like making it hard for you. Right, right, right. Okay. But so this is the thing though, but you obviously are a forward thinker. You were like, I'm not going to let this completely take me down. I'm not going to stay in this marriage for 15 years because many people do. Many people do. And you know, my parents were divorced. I got, had been divorced. Um, and it's not like, you know, some people are like, so against, you know, like you never get divorced, blah, 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 blah. But sometimes it's best for yourself and your children to do that. And you will survive. If you can work it out, yes, of course, try, but you obviously tried. And so I think that's really important. I think that's a really important message. I think, yeah. And I also feel like I didn't want, and I hate to say this, I didn't want to try anymore. That's the problem. Like I didn't want to try. And I knew the moment I walked into the first therapist's office before I was even pregnant, I remember thinking, but I don't but I had to, I had to write it down because I had just gotten married six months prior. So what am I doing here? So yeah, no, so that's interesting. But so that's, it, it was kind of like, but you went through the, you stayed for a little bit, you figured it out. And then you, and then, I mean, not to make a, a situation into light situation, but you actually then took that opportunity and we're like, okay, this is what I'm doing. And you, you obviously have a sense of humor and we're <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to do something because I still love theater and I still want to, 
help other people, right? You want to help other people laugh and make light of certain things. So can you tell us a little bit about that? So like how quickly were you sitting there watching Bravo, you know, in your parents' house that you created uh, Divorce Diaries? So within a year, I was writing Divorce Diaries, but I didn't perform it till the, the, the year I got divorced months later, I performed it. So I was divorced in 2015. I started developing it, but I did go back to perform pretty quickly. When I left my ex-husband's house, even when I was going through rough patches, I was performing in New York, my, my first solo show. And then I performed Divorce Star. And then I performed another one in 2014 called Chasing Hope. And it was based off oh. of a storybook I read, read, read to my daughter every night. And we did a little bit of the divorce in it. It was movement. It was theater. And then Divorce Diaries came about right around the summer. I was, was it when I was dating somebody? I think I, I can't remember. I think I was dating a new guy I really fell in love with. And then I still had workshop this idea of Divorce Diaries, but I was just writing. And then in 2015, I put up a theater piece of it at Merging Artist Theater in New York. And it was, again, it was a theater show. It wasn't a comedy. It was funny, but it wasn't stand up. It wasn't improv. It was a little different. And then in 2016, I put it up bigger in a theater space in New York and it sold out. Um, But like, it was not what it is today. It's again, it was a theater piece, right? It had dance in it. It was more of a play. And then in 2016 is when I started doing stand up, and I, I had always done improv for years at U- UCB in New York. And then I took some pause from that because of my marriage and I was going to go back into it and take a class again. And they couldn't, I couldn't get a, a slot there. Everything was filled. So I was like, oh, I'll just take a stand up class. I've always wanted to do stand up. It's, it's very scary. Even though I'm a yes. performer, it's very scary. I did it and I've never stopped. And I, I feel like I'm most at home doing stand up. What I love is you went to take a class and it was so, like you couldn't get in. So again, the universe, God, whoever was like, nope, Girl. sorry, this is where you're going. I mean, right? It's like, you can't get in. So let me try this. I don't know why I'm so emotional today. <laughs> no, please. But right. I mean, that's it's so true because for years, even when I was in college, I wanted to do stand up because I used to create in this comedic form of like doing stand up or doing improv and connecting the two. And when you're, I don't know if your friends will attest to this, but they'll see, I first of all, loved having your friends there at the show. They brightened up my day when they walked into the door. They're like, yeah, we're Juliet's friends. I was like, yeah. Okay. So I, I have to call out the Felonsteins because they, <laughs> yes. they both, they both listen to my podcast, which I love. And Scott, who um, has worked with my husband, has, is, uh, it actually was his boss at, at some time in his year. And Pam, we love them. But Scott paid me one of the best compliments. He, he texted Dan when I first made my pivot to your next Stop. And he said, Juliet's really, really good at this. Tell her not to stop. And I said, <laughs> Scott Fellenstein said that. And Dan goes, I know. And I was like, holy shit. So Scott, if you're listening, thank you for just, you know, being a fan, but then also thank you for supporting Michelle. I knew you guys, yes. they're, they're such great, but wonderful people. So yeah, I was so happy to see them and, and they connected to the show. I felt like they connected to the show. They were laughing. I was like, all right. And I felt like they could see that I take my, the characters in my life. I self-deprecate a lot, but then I create these stories through stand-up and improv, right? Where, and when I was creating Divorce Diaries, it started to develop into, it was first a stand-up show with other comics. And then I was like, but it's losing the feel of what I really wanted, which was my life. So I changed it from that to 
you know, it based around my journey, my, my chaos. And when I would do it week after, let's say I would do month after month in New York or make it more episodic. If I have people who keep coming in, you know, they right. want to see, well, why is this different this month? And same kind of thing when we platformed virtually during the pandemic, it's episodic, you know, but I also, and, and then that connects to the, the TV series that I'm developing for it. It's like, it's episodic. It's Michelle. It's my real life journey, you know, scripted, but it, a lot of this stuff I didn't make up. I wrote it based off what, everything that's happened. Right. Now, did you grow up, like, were your parents in theater? Like what? So yeah, I want to, I want to know, I always love to know a little <laughs> bit about people's childhood because yep. I feel like, you know, there's some people that know their parents were like nothing to do with what they did and they just fell in love with something. But sometimes it's like, oh, I saw my mom or my dad do this. So give us a little history there. So my parents did not do theater, but they should have, like they always okay. wanted to. My mom loved it. My dad wanted to be an actor their life circumstances just didn't like allow it. And my mom wanted to go to school for journalism. And my dad, again, wanted to be an actor. He went into the Navy. He had a, they have both Italian working class families who grew up in the depression. Right. (laughs) So fulfilling some kind, like, like for both of them in their brain, they were never going to be. So my dad loved cinematography, loved watching John Wayne and, you know, a lot of those with spaghetti Westerns, I guess I think they were called spaghetti cowboy Westerns. And he yeah. also loved uh, like anything Robert De Niro, any of the, you know, the, the wise guys, but yes. he always had a specific tone with me about fighting for the underdog. Like he loved Spartacus, the movie with, you know, Kirk Douglas yeah, played it totally. he watched, and he watched that over and over again. So like these scenes that he would show me and, you know, studying acting and he was always so super proud of that. I went into it. My mom was supportive and, and proud too, but she was always worried, you know, you can have right. money, you can have health insurance, you're going to do this. Gonna, da, da, da. And, and so even now it's like, oh, I can't believe you're going to go to New York. Can't believe you're going to go to Austin. Can't believe you're going to do that. I'll book a job in like Chicago. Oh, who's going to watch grace. Right. Right. Congratulations. Right. So, <laughs> but you know, but you know, it's funny. I feel like that is a, you know, that's the maternal, right. That is, I mean, not, and not, you know, stereotyping, but not, and not all moms are nervous, but that is, it's like, well, what are you doing? But I love that your dad had that love and you know, the, his circumstances didn't allow him to go into it, but he taught you a passion that became a passion of yours. So like my husband loves movies. He is like a movie buff and he has taught all three of my kids. And I, I, I really enjoy movie. I really enjoy the, the art of acting. I love a good story, but I also like, like the sappy love you know, yeah. story. Like I'm like, Oh, that was so depressing. I want to see them get married and run off. He loves like Quentin Tarantino, like De Niro. Those are his things. And he has shown like ever since my kids were little and uh, an old, so, I mean, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, you showed them that movie. He's like, but he would pause it and talk them through scenes. And I'm like, oh, you're so amazing because it's so important. So my kids have this love for that. And it'll be interesting to see what happens as they get older. But so I love that your dad did that. And he also, and that's amazing because they, they definitely will have a appreciation for it. My dad also has a way and my mom also have a way of storytelling that I think is just inherent in what I do. So like my dad specifically, I'll never forget a couple of years, uh, I think two years before I got divorced, we were all at my parents' house eating a spaghetti dinner. A couple of my cousins, my daughter was a baby. My dad was telling us a story about my, my grandmother 
And the way it, we were all waiting for the buildup, right. Of how like my, my uncle was trying to tell my my grandmother that there was a fire in the neighborhood and she just kept asking him for a kiss. And finally she goes, but mom, you want to kiss? All you care about is the kiss. You don't care about the fire. And then she cracked him across the face, like an old school <laughs> Italian mother. And the way my dad delivered it with that punch, we were all on the ground dying right. And, and, and I thought to myself that moment was when I realized how I inherited what I love to do. Cause it's just a naturally in our blood, right? Right. Storytelling. I love storytelling. It's, it's one of my favorite things too. Yeah. And you know, it'll be interesting to see again because, and I, I've shared this on my podcast. So my listeners are gonna be like, here she goes with the stories. But when my kids <laughs> were little, especially my oldest, I had, and I can't believe I never wrote it down. And I, I don't, I'm not someone that regrets. I've like talked about that. I try not to regret things because I don't think that's a way to live. However, I had this whole family that I told these stories. And so I had like characters and I would tell my, my, my son, my oldest, he would sit there and he would literally just with these big giant meatball eyes and just listen to me. And he was an active, active kid. And it's the only time he would literally sit and I would go on and he, as he got older, he'd be like, mommy, tell me about blah, blah, blah. If we were on the train, if we were on the airplane, if we were in the car, we didn't do any, and like, there was no, like, I mean, I guess we did have phones back then, but I didn't use devices for my kids. It was, I, yeah, I totally just told these stories. And we talked about the adventures. I mean, there was like a magic frog and this pond and, and it was, I mean, just amazing stories that I never wrote down, but all three of my kids still will be like, Oh, I do remember. And they'll remember little parts of it. So it, again, it'll be interesting to see if any of them, uh, take that. Cause I never really, I never really appreciated my storytelling. And I, I do talk about this very often is that I didn't think I was creative because I wasn't a good artist, right? I was an wow. athlete. So like, I never, like the arts were not something that was like my parents, we were an athletic family. I w- I struggled in school. So I was a good athlete. So it was like, put all, you know, that's what you're doing. You're an athlete. That's what you do. And so I, and my parents never said, oh, you weren't good at these kind of things. But I always just allowed myself to believe that I really wasn't good at them. And not in a, I don't say it because I'm a very confident person. So I don't think it ever really like scarred me. But when now I think about it, I was like, oh my God, I had like this whole like story that I told my kids, but because I'm dyslexic, I was Uh, always like, oh, I can't spell. I can't write. I'm not really good. I'm really good verbally, but I didn't consider that creative, which is crazy. And that's what I feel like in, in this always makes me focus is on how much people don't realize for, for people who have, you know, other stuff going on and processing with the process, not atypical. Right. I don't even like to say special need. Like if you have dyslexia, it's just like, they, then you have a different way of processing a different way of reading than this. The fact is that like, that's put on you there. You go, oh, you're not creative. No, you are. It's just how, right. how you maneuver that Avenue. And it's the same kind of thing, like with, how you maneuver, you know, divorce or like your craft or what it is you love to do. How do you maneuver in your life? So you're making money from it because we're working 85 to 90% of the time. So why not do what you actually thrive on that makes you feel like a mentally well person. And I say that because if I didn't have my performance, like I would be depressed. I would have anxiety so much more than I do now. Like I would be not me. And so when I was married, I think that I loved teaching, but there was a lot of part of me that was just so held back because I changed so much of myself. Right. And that I couldn't be who I am. I just couldn't, I was not myself. Right. Right. And I, so, oh my gosh, I love that. Stay tuned for a quick message from my sponsor. 
Hi, my name is Shari Hodes, and I'm the president of Aura Limited, a proud all-women-owned brand marketing and global sourcing agency. Simply put, we provide fashion-forward swag for any and all of your branding needs. Please visit us at www.auralimitedspelledout.com. I, I just love everything you said there. And I think that's so important and so true. Can you tell us a little bit about the series and the pilot and stuff? Because that's, I'm so excited about that. Okay. I want to, I want to, I wanted to read something. Can I read it? Because somebody's scared of me. Okay. Yeah. I, um, I might, I might get emotional for, again. I, I'm an emotional being. So I'm emotional I, too. So, <laughs> place. Oh somebody, uh, so this guy helped me with the synopsis. This guy I actually I'm crushing on. Who, oh, I love it. He's, a, he's an LA producer and director that we met and he has his own podcast. He found me and like, blah, blah, blah. He lives in LA though. And I, I, we totally started to talk about our personal lives too. So I started to feel like there was a vibe and, yeah. he, and like, he's like, yeah, but you live in New Jersey and like kind of brushed me off. So <laughs> anyway, that's a, he's, he, your friends will hear, heard the whole bit on Saturday. So everything I talked about was true, but he has helped me with a few things with divorce diaries, right? He's donated to the GoFundMe. He said he won't produce it, but he's like, I'll help you along the way. I was like, all right, whatever. But he helped me with coming up with my synop. I wrote my synopsis and then he switched it around a little bit and I cried when I read it. Oh my God. Amazing. I'm going to read it. Is that okay? Please. Gonna, you're, you're, this is the first place it's being read. <laughs> oh, I love that. Okay. Yeah. So, um, all right. So a single and recently divorced mother, Michelle late. And so I'll give him credit. This is written by Peter, but I'm going to say his last name. I he doesn't know I'm actually telling this. <laughs> a single and recently divorced mother, Michelle late thirties, comedian and writer risks it all in pursuit of creating her own show about her divorce diaries as a working class intellectual, two masters and more certifications to shake a stick at. She struggles to make rent and keep her daughter, Grace under 10 shielded from the backlash of being ADHD, all the while failing miserably with men and relationships. Faced with a limited time and only her talent is the lottery ticket, she has one year to get the project off the ground before having to go back to work and giving up on the dream. Living in North Jersey with an Italian family upbringing, Michelle grew up having to prove herself constantly. From being a daughter to being a wife, she has lived her life for others. And now, reaching 40, she's giving her dream all that she has. Her passion for the arts and being of service to kids with disabilities has led her here. Writing a show that speaks to all the effed up things the world of education and divorce gives you without a manual or a guide to help you through it. It was in her diary that she chronicled what the process was like and who she is in it. And that is why she wants to share it with the world. Hold on. There's one more paragraph. That's like a big, important one. No, I love this. Keep it. Keep it going. I love it. Faced with not knowing anything about filmmaking, the process, or what to do next, she wakes up every morning and starts every day with one hand reaching for the sky and the other walking grace to school. She has found... That's my favorite line. Yeah, me too. Totally getting emotional. (laughs) She has found new, let's read it again. She wakes up every morning and starts every day with one hand reaching for the sky and the other walking grace to school. She has found new fame in social media and juggles the constant posting and upkeep of the always hungry social media machine against the never ending motherly responsibilities. This story is a roller coaster ride, a slice of the everyday superhuman mom trying to make it in a world not ready for the truth. Oh, I love that. I totally look at him totally like that. <laughs> Hands to the sky. Oh, and one, that is like a brilliant, brilliant thing. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited for you. I like, so that line is what made me cry because before yeah. you even wrote it, I was thinking that in the series, when they do the trailer, I want 
my, I always see me and my daughter's trailer. I love that you cry because that means other people are going to connect. Oh, they're totally going to connect. Oh my God, please. When we're walking, I always see our shadows. And my dad used to, my dad has, my dad passed a year and a half ago and he always does the, I am Spartacus, right? So I always think of like when we do a win and then I, I I do that. It cuts to me grabbing their microphone and then it's the divorce diaries. Yes. (gasps) That is it. That is literally it right there. Oh my gosh. That, and your dad is looking down on you right now being like, you know what? There's my girl. There is my fucking girl. I don't know if he cursed, so I'm sorry. No, he's cursed, yes. <laughs> okay. I was like, oh, I shouldn't say fuck when I was talking no, about no. her dad. No, um, he always cursed. He doesn't get <laughs> Oh my gosh. That it's was great. So and I don't know. I'm not even getting my period, I have to say. So <laughs> this is like raw. Like this is like you, that is, I I can totally picture it. And it's what a beautiful life that you're creating for your daughter. Thank you. What a beautiful life. And you did some hard things to get there. And that's what you like, you're, you're going far. And I'm so excited that we connected and I can't wait to to be at your show. And I can't, like, I'm now so jealous that the Felonsteins were there. (laughs) Listen, we'll need you back in the one in August because that'll be after filming and after oh my gosh, I've traveled yes. a little bit. And, um, you know, I think that my whole thing is like that line that we both teared up is what the, that people are going to buy into because there's not a lot out there too about parents with children of special needs in the way of a comedy where, you know, my daughter and I were struggling the other day and I was like, just put your seatbelt on. And then she put her hands up and showed me the number three and we started laughing. <laughs> right. You know, that like signal stuff they give you at school. And then all of a sudden we started laughing and I was right. like, See, that's what the camera needs to capture of like that moment where you're like, Oh my God. And then, or, okay. Cause the, the things that they have on television right now for any children with disability, I personally don't feel like I can't connect to that. This no. is what real life is like yeah. insanity. Getting no, that I, email. Rough morning. Grace had a rough morning and I'm like, Oh my God, let's go to the bathroom now. I don't feel good. <laughs> right. 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 And you know what it is? I mean, yes. Kids with, with the way the process different, it can be tough, but also motherhood. I mean, you know, motherhood, I have, you know, my oldest is dyslexic. I have two others that don't have, um, you know, processing or anything like that, but I could still remember mornings that were tough. And my daughter is a strong personality and we do, we go through every morning. It takes her so long to get up in the morning and God, but we've tried everything where it's like we sing and then I come in and now she's going to be 12. And she's like, mom, you're annoying. And I don't mean that rudely. And I'm like, I know, cause she's very polite. She's like, I don't mean that and, and like rudely, but you're really annoying. And when you come in and you try to do all these different things and I'm like, well, just get up. Can you just get up? Cause then I won't be annoying. I, I can carry just get my up. kid. I like, carry her to the couch. Oh, it's, and it's, and when she was little, here's, here's an example. She's also a ball of fire. Like there was a story and I have the picture and it's amazing. She could get out of any car seat. And I was apparently the same way, like all the, like all those car seats, she would literally just squish her body and get out. And one day I was driving on the highway and I looked to like signal and she was hanging from the handle upside down the biggest smile on her face. I was like, I almost crashed. I was like, fuck. I was like, honey, I was like, you have, like, I pulled over. I was like, you have to, you have to be in your car seat. Why are you out? She's like, I saw that. And I just wanted to hang. And she was like, before she could speak like that, but she's like, I saw that I wanted to hang from it. It's basically what she was saying. And I was like, okay, right. But you can't do that when mommy's driving 85 miles an hour, which I mean, I shouldn't have been driving 85, you know, whatever. And she literally car seats 
anything. She climbed out of her crib before she could walk. She was like a monkey. If I stood still for a half a second, she was on top of my head before she could even walk. She would literally like shimmy up my body. I would be at like the checkout at Whole Foods in Connecticut and she'd be like sitting on my head. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like walk off and be like, okay, just don't fall. I mean, and so, but like not all parents could handle that. I mean, there was at the end of the day when she went to bed, I was like, Okay. I'm tired. You can't, yeah, you can't, it's, so it's insanity. Tired. And like, yeah. And I have my ex-in-laws. So my ex-in-laws are staying here tonight oh. and tomorrow because I'm going to be in Austin for the oh, right. Austin comedy film festival, which I, I used to film this story on my phone last year as an unscripted series. So I would do TikToks a minute long and I would follow our day to day during the pandemic. And then I would cut them into two to three minute episodes for the week. So I submitted one for the Austin comedy film festival. Cause I was like, I want to make stuff happen during this. And it got in all using my phone and TikTok. So with this, with the production cost of an actual pilot, I keep saying if I could get even though the Coston Comedy Film Festival, I'm excited. It's not Sundance, it's but it's something. Oh, it's and something. It's 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 a stepping stone. It's it is a stepping, a stepping stone. stone, and that's what's important. And I'm I'm like I'm gonna we're gonna make it happen with whatever budget we have. We're gonna make this stuff happen because if my story is not like if it's shot on special cameras, it's not. It doesn't matter. If the story's not good, then people are gonna like it. And I think that when you heard the synopsis, you captured what it's gonna be. Oh my it's, god! I mean, it's a mockumentary too. It's all. It's all like you know, the office meets American mom on amphetamines. Like that's what it's, that's what it is. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh my God. It's amazing. Michelle, I just, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Well, we have, so we have some dates. So if you go to divorce diaries, all of my social media is on there or michelletraina.com, but divorce is the one stop place. You could also find me on all social media, clubhouse, uh, to LinkedIn, to Snapchat, to Instagram, Facebook, divorce diaries, divorce diaries show. You know, the name is popular, although I've trademarked it. It's still popular. People still use it. You have to like, you have right. to go through a lot of things to tell them to stop using it. And, and also they've used it before me, but I've put motion in the, you know, so it is what it is. Divorce diary show. If you don't see me holding my kid on the cover of it, then it's not. Let's right. tell you. Well, and also spell So you're, you're, you're Michelle with one L, right? I'm Michelle with one L and the last name is Trina T R A I N A. And there's a joke in the show that no one I work with knows how to say my name. They call me Melissa or trainer. <laughs> And, and like, it's, that's the truth. Cause when I was a teacher, nobody would know how to say my last name. And I was like, but it's the word train with the letter a at the hey, end of the, like well, trains. And I mispronounce everyone's name, and right. I, but I didn't, I was like, Oh, you, don't, you did it great. You did perfect. I, well, I, the I, thing is I do too. I, I feel bad when I mispronounce people's name, but then I'm like, Oh, I mispronounce. Yeah, I mispronounce everyone's. So in Clubhouse, when I'm a moderator, I'm always oh. like, ooh, so sorry. And I, because I add letters, because my dyslexia, I either add letters or take letters out. So someone, they always laugh. They're like, you just added like a D and an R. And I was like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sorry. That's special. You, you just be like, well, I think you're such a special person. You need more letters in your name. <laughs> Totally. Oh my gosh. Uh, Michelle, I just, I'm so happy to be connected and I just have to tell you, I just can't wait to just watch you just blow up. So Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. And, um, I can't wait to follow your journey because you were definitely on fire and you got some big things coming. So thank you so much. Thank you, Julia. You're a pleasure. I'm so happy that we've connected. 
Me too. So guys, if you like what you hear, you know what to do. You have to like, share, subscribe, rate, review, and scream it from the rooftops. Share it on your social media. Talk to your friends. Guys, people need to hear this. Did you hear Michelle's story? She overcame a lot of stuff, but she continued to move forward. And that's what is important. She did not get stuck in her life. She maybe had some blips, but she turned it around. And that's what we want for you guys. So get out there and do something amazing. So, oh, this is what I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. What does crazy town mean to you? My dating life. Okay. And there's never an exit out of it. Okay. I love that. So it's crazy town. Cause that was the original name of my podcast. And it's like just my energy, my family energy. Like, as I said, love my that. daughter on top of my head at whole foods and Darien, which is like a very proper area. And she would be like sitting on my head and people would be like, what's going on with those people? Um, yep. That's crazy town to me. So again, thank you so much. Thank you, Julia. I hope you liked this episode of Your Next Stop. Please subscribe to my channel, share with your friends, and join in each week. 